Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. You know, our messages here each week on Anchor Point are not presented to provide our listeners with just some more knowledge about the gospel. Of course, a person needs a certain level of knowledge of what God is trying to communicate, but that knowledge itself will never provide the life that the sinner needs. For example, John chapter 3 and verse 16 gives the gospel in a nutshell, as some would say, but it will have no effect on the listener unless he or she actually hears what is being said in that verse personally, unless he or she individually comes into contact with the person of whom it is speaking, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In today's broadcast, evangelist Jack Gould looks again at this most well-known Bible verse. Have you actually taken the truth of this verse and applied it to yourself? The love of God to you as an individual? Your heart response to that love? Your real danger of perishing? The promise of eternal life? Well, we hope that you will experience the power of this beautiful verse as you listen to our broadcast today. Let's turn in our Bibles, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 3. We're going to read verse number 16. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I realize this verse is very popular and very common. But I also realize this verse is magnificent and wonderful and powerful. It tells us of a God who loves. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ, for God so loved. The idea is not just that he loved, but that his love was so great that it motivated him to do something. Or you could say that his love was measured by the extent to which he was willing to go to save sinners. For God so loved the world. Now, the gospel meeting is not merely a place where you collect facts from the Bible. This is an information meeting. We are here to provide you with information from the Bible with the Word of God. But when it comes down to it, a gospel meeting is more than just an information meeting. It is an opportunity for you to hear the voice of God. I believe God speaks to individuals in our world tonight. I believe God speaks through the circumstances in our life. 
events that come into our life and cause us to think, to think about death, to think about eternity, or where I will be forever after I die. Notice I didn't say if I die. I said after I die, because we are all going to die. But sometimes something will happen in your life that will cause you to think about these things and to think about God. And I believe that is God speaking to you, trying to get your attention. And if God could have your attention tonight for just one minute, I believe you would say this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Are you listening to the voice of God? John's gospel is unique among the four gospels. In Matthew's gospel, the Lord Jesus speaks primarily to the multitudes of people. In Mark's gospel, in a very similar fashion, he speaks to large groups of people, mostly. When you come to Luke's gospel, you will find the Lord Jesus is dealing a lot with pairs of people, or two people at a time. There is the Pharisee and the publican. There are the two thieves on the cross. There are the two on the road to Emmaus. And you see the pattern as you read the gospel of Luke. But in John's gospel, you find him speaking to individuals more than any other gospel. And I like to look at John's gospel and see the different individuals to whom the Lord Jesus spoke. You find a woman in John's gospel, chapter four, and she was a woman who lacked something. She needed satisfaction. She couldn't get that satisfaction anywhere. But she came into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ and she received from him something that nobody else could give her and she was never the same again. Then we go to John's Gospel chapter 5 and we find that man by the pool in Bethesda. And he is there and he's been there for many years and he lacks something. He needs power. That's what the word means. He was a powerless man unable to help himself. And he comes into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ and he receives something that nobody else could give him. And he was never the same again. Then you fast forward to John chapter 8 and you find there a woman. And she's taken in the very act of adultery. She was caught sinning against God. And when she was caught sinning against God, she needed forgiveness. And when she came into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ, she received what nobody else could give her, the forgiveness of sins. She was never the same again. And in John's Gospel, chapter 9, you find there a man who was born blind, and he needed his sight. When he came into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ, he received something that nobody else could give him, the use of his eyes his sight, and he was never the same again, was he? Now you're starting to notice a pattern. You come to John's Gospel, chapter 11. There's a man who's in the grave, and he's been there long enough so that they said, we should not remove the stone from the grave because he will stink. By this time, his body is decomposing in the grave. 
Lazarus needed life. And when he came into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ, he received what nobody else could give him, life. He was never the same again. Now I ask you, have you ever personally come into contact with this man, the Lord Jesus? If you did, you'd remember it. And it would change your life. It would change your destiny. We go back now to John chapter 3. And we find a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, he needed something. He needed spiritual life or eternal life. Or as verse 16 says, everlasting life. And Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus by night. And he received from the Lord Jesus something he couldn't get from anybody else. And he was never the same again. He's in heaven today. And I tell you this, Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus thinking he knew how to get to heaven. I want you to follow me very closely now for the next couple of minutes. He comes to the Lord Jesus confident that his religion was good enough to get him into heaven. It's very simple. When you read from verse number one all the way to the end of this passage, I would say verse number 21, you will find a man, Nicodemus, who is confident that he knows the way to heaven. But upon talking to the Lord Jesus, he soon finds out that he is missing something. He is missing this eternal life that is necessary if he's ever going to be in heaven after he dies. I have to say that I admire Nicodemus for this reason. When he found out that he was wrong, he was willing to admit that he was wrong. And he wanted to know the right answer. Now, the Lord Jesus is going to tell this man how he can be sure that he'll be in heaven after he dies. Do you believe a person can know for sure? Not hope so. We have a lot of crossing our fingers. So we hope it's not going to rain on Saturday so we can spend the day outside. Right? We hope the airline doesn't lose our baggage so we can wear our own clothes. Right? You cross your fingers and you hope. Heaven is too important for guessing or hoping or wishing. God says that you can know for sure where you will be after you die. And the Lord Jesus is about to tell this man how he can prepare for heaven. And I want you to notice, he does not say, join the church and you will be ready for heaven. He does not say, get baptized and you will be ready for heaven. Do you know why he doesn't say those two things? Because neither one of those two things will ever get anybody into heaven. Do I believe in being a member or in the fellowship of a local church? Absolutely. Do I believe in baptism by immersion? 100% I believe that because it's in the Bible. But there is never a verse in your Bible that tells you that if you are baptized, you are ready for heaven. And there is not a verse in your Bible that tells you if you are a church member, you are ready for heaven. The fact is, baptism is for those who have already prepared for heaven. 
Church membership is for those who have already come into contact with the Lord Jesus and have a living relationship with him. But he does tell us how a person can be sure they're going to be in heaven. And he starts, for God so loved the world. Now, perhaps you have appreciated in times past that God loves the world and you think about the scope of the world, right? And the amount of people who are in the world and the different cultures and the different regions and the different countries represented when you think about the people of the world and the different languages and the different foods. I could get stuck on the food, right? So I love all the foods of the different nations and the different cultures. I love food in general. But when you think about God so loving the world, it's not necessarily the scope of his love. I believe John 3.16 teaches us that there is none that is outside of the realm or the scope of God's love. That's what the word whosoever means. But when we look at God so loved the world, it is not necessarily the world in its scope, but it is the world in its character. Because you look at God in his character, God being holy, being righteous, being just, being compassionate, being kind, being loving, being patient, being caring. All of those words are used to describe the character of God in our Bible. So when it says God so loved the world, it is saying God in all of his perfect character so loved the world, a world that is not holy, a world that is not righteous, a world that is not caring, a world that is not kind, a world that is not compassionate, a world that has rebelled against God, a world that actually, according to the Bible, is full of people who hate God. Now that is strong language, but that is the language of the Bible in the book of Romans. And when I talk about the world and its character, let's make no mistake. Our society is not separate from the individuals who make up our society. The rules and laws and the attitudes that are expressed by the legislature in our land are really a reflection or a projection of what is in the hearts of every individual that make up that society. I know there are exceptions, but on the whole, what happens in our society begins in the heart. And when we say that God so loved the world, we mean God loves the world full of rebellious, stained, guilty sinners. That's who God loves. I'm thankful that's who God loves. Because that's me. You know what Nicodemus would realize? Even though I am a religious man, I am glad that God loves sinners because I'm a religious sinner who needs God's love. Maybe you're here tonight and you're honest. There are two things that I assume when I speak to an audience like this. I assume you will think. I assume you will consider the words that are spoken as a rational, thinking, intelligent person. 
but I also assume that you will be honest. And if you're honest, you would have to admit, in the eyes of God, I have sinned. But the good news is, God loves sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We say that so quickly, don't we? Have you ever quoted that verse in Sunday school, perhaps? Or maybe you've never heard that verse. I'm glad you're here tonight if you've never heard that verse. We want you to hear it. We want you to know it. But we say it so quickly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? Did you ever wonder what it really means? He gave his only begotten son. You think about the uniqueness of this son. You think about how he is the only one who was ever to be able to completely and wholeheartedly serve his God and obey all the time. But when you think about him giving his son, we heard about the uniqueness of his birth, the incarnation that we have heard about. And we can think that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to be born in that stable in Bethlehem, to grow up in a despised town called Nazareth, to live and move among the people in Palestine in that day, and to be able to teach them and to be able to perform those miracles. And you might think that God gave his son so that he could teach us how to live better, so that he could instruct us in how to conduct our affairs so that we would honor God. But that's not what it means when it says God gave his only begotten son. What it means is that God gave his son to die, to die on the cross of Calvary, where they would put nails in his hands and nails in his feet, where they would mock him and taunt him and watch him, where he would be so thirsty that it could be said in the Old Testament that his tongue was cleaved to the roof of his mouth, where he would undergo all of that, and then he would die as a sacrifice for sins. Not only did he experience physical pain and mental anguish, but he underwent the wrath of God. That means God's hatred for sin and the punishment for sin was placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. That's what it means when it says God gave his only begotten son. He gave him to die for sin. You know what? He gave him to die so that I could go to heaven. He gave him to die so that you could be in heaven. Isn't that amazing? He gave him to die so you could be in heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever. When we say whosoever, we mean anybody, right? Anybody, but not just a generic blanket statement. God means each and every individual that makes up everybody. So the fact is this, God sends a message to you as an individual. God has done something for you as an individual. He has given his son. God expects you to respond as an individual. And I am confident 
based on the teaching of the word of God, John 3.16 being a reflection of that teaching, that every individual qualifies for this offer. And God says, each individual who puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will never perish. Yeah. Think about it. If God says, I will never perish, then I'm never going to perish. And if God says, I will never perish, then I can be sure that I'm going to heaven. But it happened when I placed my trust in the Savior. When I came to rely 100% upon him, not upon anything else, but upon him. The moment I trusted Christ, God says, I will never perish, but I have everlasting life. Now my question for you, have you ever trusted the Savior? As an individual, have you ever turned to God and trusted his Son and received this everlasting life? Here is what I am confident of. I am confident, based on the Bible, that if you never trust the Savior, your soul will be lost in a real place called hell forever. I am just as confident, based on the Bible, that each individual that makes up the crowd in this hall tonight can trust the Savior tonight and never have to worry about losing your soul. So I quote the verse for you again. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, the word of God alone has the power to impart spiritual life reciting words in a prayer book, going through religious observances, or trying to live a so-called Christian life without this power is totally fruitless. What's worse, it is deadly. Like Nicodemus who first heard the words of John chapter 3 and verse 16 from the lips of the Lord Jesus 2,000 years ago, you need to be willing to admit that you just might be wrong in your thoughts about God, in your thoughts of how you can get to heaven. Turn from these thoughts and listen to what God says. Nicodemus did, and he realized that the Son of God was indeed given. He was given not to start a new religion, but he was given to die. To pay the penalty for our sins. Do you know anything about the power of John chapter 3 and verse 16 in your life? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, 
or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior, and in times like these, you need an anchor.